all the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. Howard Safer was our New York City police commissioner, 1996 to 2000. Wasn't the city safe then, Howard? We were the safest large city in America. Did we not have the largest police force in America? We did. We had 41,200 police officers. What do we got now? About 35,000. So tell me, how was the city safe then under you? And we've now got some sort of a roach in the White House at this moment. Tell me how that happened. Well, you know, number one, uh, Rudy Giuliani came back to New York and said he was going to clean up the city and reduce crime. That's how he got elected. You know, a Republican in a very Democratic city got elected because the public was tired of crime everywhere in the city. And when he asked me to be police commissioner, I knew that I would never have to look behind me. And building on what Bill Bratton did before me, uh, we instituted broken windows. And broken windows basically says if somebody submits a, commits a small crime, they're probably going to commit a larger crime. Or if they are, if they know that you're enforcing every law in the city, that they're not going to easily commit crimes because they know they're going to have a certainty of arrest. And probably one of the number one issues with Broken Window at the time was people jumping over subway turnstiles. Yeah. Believe it, believe it or not, 250,000 people a month were evading fares, jumping over turnstiles. It was like an Olympic sport. And what we found when we started enforcing all fare jumpers, we found people with guns, we found people with drugs. We even solved a number of murders by arresting people jumping over turnstiles. And what we did is we arrested them. We did not give them a summons. We took them, we fingerprinted them, uh, we photographed them, and then we gave them a desk appearance ticket. But we then had them in our files so that if they committed other crimes in the future, we knew who they were. And that's how we actually uh, solved a series of three murders, including a Central Park murder, uh, shortly thereafter. Okay, this is like a childlike question. I mean, everybody's asking the same thing. Were you in charge now? What would you be doing? I would be doing exactly what we did before, which is we would be enforcing broken windows, you know, people, aggressive panhandling, getting homeless people into shelters, uh, making sure that there was no people using squeegees on the street. You remember the squeegee people who used yeah, to... Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, people. yeah. And we got them off the street, and we sent a message to criminals that if you commit a crime, you're going to get arrested. And we did it by deploying plainclothes units in those areas that had the most crime. And then we used ComStat, which is computerized statistics, to make sure that we sent our resources to the places where crime was. And, you know, unlike today, where if you send cops into a a black neighborhood and they, they call you a racist, back then, the good people of those neighborhoods understood that the majority of victims of crime were black and the majorities of crimes were committed by blacks. And that's why they were happy to see 
more police in their neighborhoods. How do you handle the gun situation with people's shadow guns, guns that don't have any licenses? How do you stop that? It's not about guns. It's about criminals. The fact is there are more guns in this country than people. But when you send a clear message that if you're walking down the street with a gun, that you have specially trained police officers like our street crime unit was, who can easily detect whether or not you're carrying a gun and can use what is constitutional, something called stop, question, and frisk, and stop and ask you questions, and if they think you're carrying a gun, search you. And if they have reasonable suspicion, and because of that, criminals stopped carrying their guns in the street. They kept them in their apartments or houses or wherever, but they didn't carry them in the street where they're going to shoot innocent people. But people are now afraid. The police are afraid. The elected officials are afraid. What should our useless mayor do? This police chief that he has anointed doesn't speak anywhere. Can you tell us what we should be doing? Well, there's a number of things. But, Cindy, you have to realize one thing. Police are only one-third of the three-legged stool of criminal justice. Yeah. I know. And the courts. And if cops go out and arrest people and they see them instantly let out on no bail to commit the same crime again, they're not going to be anxious to go out and prevent crime. They're going to react to crimes in process, but they're not going to do what we did, which which I call assertive policing, where you go out and you seek out criminals and prevent crimes. Because, you know, once you make an arrest, it's a failure. Somebody's a victim. So what you have to do is, one, create an atmosphere where criminals are afraid of police, not the public, and make sure that you have enough police on the street, in the subway, all over the city, that criminals are not going to do smash and grabs. Criminals are not going to assault people. And criminals are not going to have gunfights, open gunfights in the street where innocent people are collateral damage. All of that's happening now, and it has to change. What about the Second Amendment? I am not against the Second Amendment, but I think we need to change how we let people buy assault weapons. You know, one of the things that has struck me since Columbine, which is 10 years ago, is that all of our school shootings involve young men 18 or under carrying AR-15 or similar assault rifles. Because right now you can go into a gun store in just about any state If you're 18 years old, you give them your ID, you fill out a a relatively useless form, they do a what's called an instant background check, which doesn't really check that much. And they give you, like this kid in Texas, Ramos, he walked in, put down $2,000, got two assault weapons and 375 rounds of ammunition. That's crazy. Right now... Go ahead, go, go, go. You, you know, the Federal Firearms Act right now says that citizens can buy a machine gun. But to buy a machine gun, the law says you have to get fingerprinted, photographed. You have to be vetted by a police organization, and you have to pay $200 tax. Why not put those assault weapons in that same category? They're not because they're semi-automatic instead of full automatic like machine guns, but they're just as dangerous, and we should put that kind of regulation in place where you have to go through the same hoops as buying a machine gun and that way young 18 year olds are not on instinct going to go into a 
gun store and instantly walk out with a weapon of destruction. That's what we need to change. And, you know, the NRA will be against anything, but that's not banning assault weapons like the Congress refuses to do. That's making people responsible for their actions. How do you rein in gun dealers? Well, just as I just described, if they don't have the ability to sell hundreds of assault weapons with just an instant background check, and they have to go through all that hoops, people are not going to be able to buy those guns. Well, but there are spooky guns. I don't understand that. How is it possible they can buy spooky guns that don't have numbers on them and stuff like that? How does that happen? Well, they they have to pass legislation, and I know that there is some legislation pending, whether or not it gets through or not. But basically what they do is they buy the parts for the guns on the Internet and then put them together. Oh, I see. What did you what did you do with hoodlums? Did you have enough jails? Why are we running out of jails? Why are we letting all these people out? We're not running out of jails. The district attorneys are not putting them in jails. The fact is, when I was police commissioner, the population at Rikers was about 17,000. I think it's like 5,000 now, which just tells you that they're just you know, catch and release. That's what's happening with criminals in our city. So what would you do, Howard, if you were running the New York City police now? How could you get anything done because everybody fights everything you try to do? Well, you know, it would be, honestly, Cindy, it would be very difficult because of the atmosphere. You know, Rudy made sure when I was police commissioner that the district attorneys were doing what they were supposed to. And we had great district attorneys like Bob Morgan for, uh, in Manhattan yeah, at yeah, the time yeah, and Judge Brown yeah. in Queens. You know, so, you know, the criminal justice system was working the way it was supposed to work. But, you know, even the best police executive, if he arrests people and brings them for prosecution, then they, they don't get prosecuted. They're not going to fix anything. Okay, so this is like a childlike question, like if I was in kindergarten. It's a dumb-ass question. Where are we going, Howard? What is going to happen to us? Well, unfortunately, unless the district attorneys change and the bail legislation changes and the gun legislation changes, uh, what you're going to see is what's happening now. People are going to flee the big cities and go to places like Florida and Texas and Arizona and New Mexico, where people still believe in law and order. Yeah, well, in Texas, it wasn't so good. I just don't understand what's going to happen with all the leftists coming out and fighting anything that's proper. I just don't see a future for us. Well, I am optimistic about the midterms, because if the midterms... Uh, turn around who can co- controls Congress. You're going to see a very quick move to the center and to the right, and you're going to see law and order people starting to get elected again, and then we're going to start changing this. But it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, it took us, you know, five years or six years to get things right in New York, and then de Blasio ruined it in seven years and eight years, and now it's going to take a number of years to change this. It's not going to happen overnight. But it has to start. And so far, although I see Commissioner Sewell trying her best, if she doesn't have the resources and the absolute backing of the mayor, it's not going to happen. 
Well, you have made me feel really wonderful now. <laughs> Sorry about <laughs> but that. I love you, and I'm glad you came on, and thank you for calling in, Howard. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the calm, intelligent voice I need to hear. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.